Instead of focusing on winning arguments, we're teaching the basic fundamentals of sales and marketing and how we can use them to win in the world of politics, teaching you how to meet people where they're at on the issues they care about. Welcome to The Brian Nichols Show. Actually, later on in the show, I want to talk about new areas we can we can take you know get on the offensive. I feel like we're playing defense too often, and and I actually think gun rights is is one of the uh, areas that we can make some serious wins. Whether it's you know talking to the LGBTQ community, talking to the African American community, um, you know, uh, making the case that you know nonviolent convicted felons should have their gun rights restored, stuff like that. I think we could actually make some serious inroads uh, on, on the gun front. Um, and I, I mean, I agree with everything you just said, but there's plenty of time to agree uh, later on in the show. I actually want to start <laughs> on probably the only thing either of us will say on the show today that we disagree with. Um, and, and that's the million dollar question that a lot of people have been debating. And obviously, this is not a debate show. We're just having we're just a couple dudes having a having a conversation. But uh, a lot of people are debating this and, and people will continue to, obviously. And that's the million-dollar question. Should libertarians join the LP, or should they uh, join the Republican Party and attempt to transform the GOP from the inside out? And I, personally, I, I firmly am on the libertarians join the GOP side. You know, I'm, I'm a registered Republican. I'm actually a former elected Republican, you know, and I'm also a, a pretty radical libertarian. So I, I think this is probably the only the only case that I, I'm, I, I'm guessing you're going to disagree with me here. You know, believe it or not, Brady, uh, I don't actually disagree um, so much as I look at it as it has to be a tactical approach, right? Right. So, for example, let's look at uh, Kentucky, right? Great state of Kentucky, where we have one of the best members of Congress and one congressional representative, Thomas Massey, in, in the House, right? Yep. So, if we were in Thomas Massey's district, I would absolutely discourage any big L libertarian from running in that office. Why? Because what are you doing? We're talking about, uh, you know, in political science, there's an idea of what's called strategic voting, right? And in strategic voting, there's two things you're looking for in what you're measuring. Number one is the value you will get as the voter in the feeling of voting for the candidate that you most want. The other thing you're looking for is the actual outcome, right? The, in terms of policy from the candidate that actually wins. And you can assign a numerical value to that and based on you know what policies are the most important to you and where those candidates stand. And I think you would find, by and large, folks in the liberty movement would look at somebody like a Thomas Massey and they would probably be on, on board 90 plus percent of what Thomas Massey has to bring to the table. Now, yes, we could get a candidate that's 95 percent, uh, you know, in, in camp or, or even 99 percent in camp with libertarian ideas. But then you look at what's the alternative and you might have a candidate that gives you 20 percent. Now, if you were to look at the, the net difference between, you know, Thomas Massey at 90 percent and that candidate at 20 percent, but you're going to have a 70 percent more of a positive with having Thomas Massey in office than otherwise. And we start to look at instead of, you know, Thomas Massey versus the alternative, which, I, again, I hate the lesser of two evils argument because they say, well, you still vote for the GOP. You're still voting for the lesser of two evils. I say, well, okay, real quick, I, I, I'm fine. It, it's weird. It, and uh, I'm fine with that argument. I'm fine with I mean, the lesser yeah. two evils. I mean, like, I look. I just I think in essence the state is evil. Um, government itself not great. Um, so I don't know. I I've never voted once in my life where I wasn't looking at it in a lesser two evils kind of context. You know, like I 
you know, even before my libertarian days, it's not like when I was just like a mainstream, you know, Republican, like it's not like I looked at any Republican candidate I voted for and was like, oh, yeah, I'm just stoked about this guy. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I I think we're always going to be dealing with the lesser two evils argument. And I don't necessarily think at least as it sits right now that that's a a bad thing that, that somebody would make a decision like that. Which is what I say to the libertarians. Well, all right, if that's going to be the case, a lot of Americans out there are in the lesser of two evils camp, then let's pick the actual lesser of two evils argument where it actually applies. So I look at states where, you know, Shane Hazel, I think he played a great role as a spoiler in a state like Georgia between the lesser of two evils, which quite literally are within what five percentage difference points in actual philosophies. And that's something that you are going to see more of. And I think the role for libertarians is going to be number well, two, twofold number one from a national perspective to keep the other two major parties in line in terms of the specific areas where libertarians can pull away from their base so for example if you're talking to folks on the left you're probably gonna look at more civil liberties um you know war a uh, war on drugs ending the war and terror so on and so forth and and you know ending overseas interventions and then on the right you know you're going to talk more about your your fiscal policies, you know, focusing more on your traditional, um, you know, fiscal conservative or, you know, your Rothbardian economics, Aust- Austrian economics, um, you know, even Chicago economics, right? Mm-hmm. That's where you're going to, to, to force the issue there. Now, you look at, you know, representatives like Dave Perview, Perdue and, and Kelly Loeffler, if you were to look at them from a true strategic voting perspective versus their Democratic candidates, Unfortunately, when you're looking at that policy one, right, and that's the the one that's the, the the sticky one because that's the one you can actually refer to actual voting and the ramifications of said voting from policy versus just that kind of intrinsic feel good that you get when you vote. So in this kind of case, right, you look at the Kelly Loeffler who maybe she was at 40% of the Libertarian positive, uh, you know, the positive win for the Libertarian to vote, and then the, the Democratic candidate maybe gives them 35%. So you now you're only fiddling with around 10% of difference in terms of what your your percentage point is. Yeah, I may push back on those percentages a little bit. If you're looking at a an avowed marxist <laughs> in a Raphael Warnock uh, who's going to who's the new democratic senator from Georgia. I think uh, you know I, I don't think it's that cl- I mean I, I understand what you mean. I'm not I'm not praising Kelly Leffler by any stretch of the imagination, but I think it's I think the gap in terms of their liberty score is is a little bit more dramatic. Well, yeah, no. Well, that, that's why it goes in, in in two two parts, right? So then it goes to the other part, and that's the first part. What do you get as the, the voter from that intrinsic that that one value that aspect that's hard to actually put a uh, a finite number on? And as a sales guy, you know, a sales executive, I'm looking for KPIs that I can effectively measure. And unfortunately, you can't really effectively measure that value that your average voter is going to bring into the the voting booth with that feeling, right? And we see that with Trump. You know, Trump would have that feeling of a lot of people. They would just vote for him because he was Trump, for better or for worse. Right, right. And it was hard to, to put that number on on that. So what I would say is, to your point, right, you're right, that you, you would probably wouldn't want the avowed Marxist over a Kelly Loeffler. But now, to the libertarian point, well, now in Georgia, if you're running a candidate again, well, you know what? Maybe you should make sure that the candidate doesn't suck. Maybe the candidate should actually, instead of just talking you know, about the, the ideas of, you know, the free markets or the ideas of civil liberties or whatever it may be, right? Instead of just talking about those, now you actually need to get a candidate who's going to, to you know, actually stand up for those values and fight for them. And we see this, and I, I, I bring this up because I was part of the 2010, 
you know, Tea Party uh, movement back with the GOP. And right. I worked on many campaigns, both from a, a state level as well as a, a federal level. And, and with that, you see a lot of candidates who ran in 2010, 2012 and 2014 on the Tea Party wave of this, you know, basically it was a constitutionalist, libertarian, small L libertarian movement. Right. And you ended up seeing what folks like, you know, Marco Rubio of all people run as a libertarian. I mean, my goodness, man, I have in my my office here, I have a Marco Rubio water bottle and it says stay thirsty for liberty. And he signed on it. And I laugh because. Oh, no. Right. But he ran on this whole idea of liberty. So. It's easy for the lip service. It then it comes down to actually, you know, make holding those candidates accountable. So to your point, right? Is the GOP the most feasible means on a national level to to get liberty into action? Absolutely. I will not at all disagree with that. But there is a role for the LP. And then the LP's role, I'd say, is to hold those parties accountable. And if we're talking and again, this is federal level, right? When we break it down to a more state perspective or even a local perspective, I'd say you're LP has more of a role, especially in like nonpartisan elections. Goodness, right. if you're a libertarian and you, you know, you have a, a nice construction company and you're a well thought of person in your community and it's a nonpartisan run for mayor, run, run yeah. for mayor, city and council, then, judge. If you're a lawyer, exactly. if you're a libertarian leaning lawyer that wants to make then, a difference, they'll say, what do you, what, what are your, what's your registered position again? And you'll say a libertarian, they'll say a what? And then that gives you a chance to, again, show, hey, listen, I was this weird thing you'd never heard of, but you knew me. You knew my uh, you know, my values as a member of the community and as a business owner and as a, a thought leader. And, and now you're seeing the positive ramifications of a libertarian policy, right? And that's where we're going to be able to win, man. That's It's building those, those stories, building that resume of, of libertarian success stories because we always get picked on, right? Go to Somalia. Where's your libertarian country, right? <laughs> it, it, let's be real. They kind of have a point. I mean, I, I don't mean to pick on them, but Justin Amash had somebody on Twitter, uh, and they said, name a libertarian country. And he said, the United States of America. And I said, well, that, that doesn't seem like it's too much of a, a glowing endorsement when you look at where we are right now in 2021. Right. Um, because we're, you know, how many trillions of dollars in debt and we're on the precipice of losing our, our liberties overnight. So, yeah, man, I, I think... We, we do have a chance to to reach people. I think the Libertarian Party does have a chance to reach people, um, but it's not exclusively through you know one channel or the other. I think it has to be a very calculated, multi-pronged effort to, uh, to make sure we're not wasting our time, we're not wasting our energy, and, and really make sure we're focusing on where we can actually put liberty into action and make liberty win. Thanks for listening to The Brian Nichols Show. Find more episodes at briannicholsshow.com. Enjoying the audio version of the show? Then you'll love our YouTube channel. Be sure to head over there and subscribe. And if you're new to The Brian Nichols Show, be sure to head to your favorite podcast catcher and click download all unplayed episodes so you don't miss one of our nearly 500 episodes that will be sure to leave you educated, enlightened, and informed. If you got value from today's episode, can you do me a favor and head to briannicholsshow.com forward slash support and leave us a $5 donation? And by the way, have you given the show a five-star review yet? If not, head to Apple Podcasts and tell folks why you listen to the program and don't forget to tell your friends to subscribe too. Follow me on social media at B Nichols Liberty. And again, if you'd be so kind, please consider making a donation to The Brian Nichols Show at briannicholsshow.com forward slash support. The Brian Nichols Show is supported by viewers like you. Thank you to our patrons, Daryl Schmitz, Michael Lima, Mitchell Mankiewicz, Cody Johns, Craig DaCosta, and the We Are Libertarians Network.
Faced with an uncertain future, many business owners and technology professionals don't have the time needed to invest in their business technology strategies. And as a result, they're afraid of their technology getting outdated and putting their company and customers' information at risk. The digital future is already here, but with all different choices in the marketplace, it's difficult to know which one will be the best fit for you and your strategic vision. Imagine having the peace of mind that your business is backed by the right technology investments that are tailored for your specific needs. Hi, I'm Brian Nichols, and I've helped countless business owners and technology professionals just like you, helping you make informed decisions about what technologies are best to invest in for your business. Voice, bandwidth, cybersecurity, business continuity, juggling all the aspects of business technology is messy. Let me help. Head to briannicholsshow.com forward slash help and sign up for a free one-on-one -on -one consultation with yours truly to dig deep into where you see your company heading and how we can align your business technology towards those goals. Again, that's briannicholsshow.com forward slash help to get your simplified business technology started today.